Hey guys, welcome to the Men's Journey Today podcast. I'm Colin Seft, your host, and I'm here today with Connor Beaton. He's the founder of Man Talks, an international organization that supports men in being better fathers, better husbands, and better leaders through real connections, real conversations, and a powerful community. Connor is also an international speaker, podcast host, and lifestyle entrepreneur. He's spoken on stage at TEDx, taken Man Talks to over a dozen cities internationally, and has been featured on platforms like Forbes, Huffington Post, and You and Women. Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to have you. In your TEDx talk, you've mentioned some of the consequences that negative stereotypes about masculinity have on men today. I'm looking forward to expand on this topic, but before we do, please take a minute to fill in the gaps from that intro and tell us how did you get started on your journey? Yeah, I mean, specifically with Man Talks, you know, I was, I saw an opportunity to build something that allowed men to have more meaningful conversations, you know, build better friendships with one another and, and really build a community where, where guys could grow themselves, you know, and we see these communities out in the world. There's a ton and ton of ton of communities for women and they should be there. They're great. There's a, there's a ton of really great communities for women, but I started to realize that there were really no solid communities for men outside of, you know, the locker room and the bars and the sort of like standard places that men go to. And I think for a lot of guys in those spaces, they don't really talk about the meaningful things that could help grow them as, you know, fathers and husbands and business leaders. And so they're, they're kind of stuck. They feel very isolated. And so I wanted to do something about that. So that's, that's really, you know, was the catalyst for man talks. It came about, you know, about six years ago in a conversation with one of my best friends where he, you know, we, we had been friends for over a decade and he told me that he, I'd been struggling with depression and that about a month and a half before this conversation, he tried to hang himself. And in that moment, I was very present to the fact that I knew this person so well, except for the most important things about him. And, you know, that really made me question the types of relationships that we as men have, because, you know, he felt like we were very close, but he couldn't come and talk to me about the fact that he was struggling with depression and, you know, was considering suicide. So, you know, that's, that's one extreme of the spectrum. And, you know, I'm not saying that man talks exists to, to necessarily prevent suicides. That's, that's not what our mission is. You know, there's, there's other great causes out there that that's their mission. Our mission is simply to connect people because I believe that a lot of the issues that men face, you know, social isolation and, and suicide and depression, that all comes in most part because of the negative stereotypes and perceptions that we have about masculinity, but also because of the social isolation that most guys feel. They might have a bunch of friends, but they might still feel completely alone. And it's because the type of friendships that they have are so surface level. And so they never make it past the real, you know, they never make it past the surface level to the real conversations that they want to have. Yes, that's true. I've encountered dozens of men in my practice who are left with a legacy of pain, guilt, anger, or social stigma after painful life events. They don't usually feel comfortable opening up to others and talking about the important, meaningful aspects of their lives. And they cope with these emotions the only way they know how, and that's usually by numbing themselves. 
and talking about binge eating, um, compulsive masturbating and watching pornography, or even addiction to alcohol and drugs. So I understand where you're coming from. And I think you guys are doing an extraordinary job at Man Talks. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You mentioned in your TED talk that 50% of men over the age of 25 cannot identify a best friend. How can guys build the brotherhood of men around them so they can connect at a deeper level with their male friends and feel safe to reach out when they feel anxious or depressed? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a really good question. So I think for a lot of guys out there, you know, I think it's important to realize that, you know, this might not resonate with everybody that's listening. It might only resonate with some. Like you said, it's 50%. But for those that are out there that let's say they have, they feel like they have a really good brotherhood and they feel like they have really good connections with the other guys that they're friends with, I think it's important for them to also recognize that, you know, there's inevitably men in their life who are feeling completely alone and isolated and shut down. So they can sort of you know, quote unquote, be the change to reach out to them. Because we all know, and we can pretty much all identify when somebody is struggling, you know, emotionally and they, and they feel isolated, right? Like we can usually tell our instincts, our gut usually points us in that direction. So, so I just wanted to preface my answer with that. So how do we build brotherhood? I think there's a few things that we need to recognize. First and foremost, you know, you need to recognize your own personal stereotypes around masculinity, but you also need to recognize your own personal stigmas about what it means to be a man. And it's kind of funny because most guys don't often think about this, you know, like we don't go around thinking like, oh, is that, you know, did I just do that because I'm trying to like reaffirm myself as a man? But the reality is, is that a lot of guys function on a daily basis from this sort of posturing place of trying to, you know, withhold this sense of masculinity. And so there's constantly a sense of competition with other men. And there's constantly a sense of competition in the sense that they are trying to prove themselves to other men. They're trying to show them, hey, like I've got a lot of money. I'm very stable. I'm strong. I'm mentally strong. And so there's this sort of mask that men start to create as an identity of who they think they need to be in order to be, you know, an alpha man, right? Or a strong man. And so we first need to identify what we're putting out in the world because otherwise that's just an unconscious program that's going to be playing in the background and, you know, building the real connections that we want are going to be challenging because most guys, you know, when we ask them this question, like they, <laughs> they, they don't think that there's a problem, right? It's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, I have, I have good connections. But so how we do that is we need to identify first what our sort of automatic programming is around masculinity and around the friendships that we have. And then we need to be able to move through the pieces that maybe don't work very well. So I talked about competition. A really great perspective is to understand that the majority of men have competition-based relationships instead of challenge-based relationships. And there's a huge distinction and a huge difference between those two things. And so competition-based relationships never really allow us to connect with the other person on a deep level because we always feel that we're against one another, we're against the other person, that the other person is not necessarily a threat to us, but that we're not safe in connecting with them about the really meaningful things that are going on. So, you know, if you have a competition-based relationship with one of your close friends and, you know, money is a very important thing, 
how likely are you to tell him that your business is struggling or that you're personally struggling financially? Probably not very likely. But on the other hand, when we build challenge-based relationships, and this is why it's important to have that self-awareness, when we build these challenge-based relationships, it allows us to actually go to our friends and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. My business is struggling financially and I'm not too sure what to do. I actually need your help and I want you to challenge me to push through this. And then we have, you know, then we're, we're reaching out to this for support and that person can challenge us to move us forward because there's, and just to wrap this all up, I'm just going to say that there's actually three types of friendships that we have as men or three types of relationships that we have with other men. The first type are the men who look up to us. And, you know, in your friend circle and in your work environment, you're going to have a bunch of guys that whether you know it or not, they just look up to you. They respect you. They admire you. You know, maybe they've put you on a pedestal, whatever the case may be, but they look up to you and they sort of walk behind you, as I like to say, not that they're less than you, but they just sort of look up to you in that space. The second type of men are the men who walk beside us. These are the guys that we normally see as maybe our equals, but also we see them as sort of our brothers in arms. And theoretically, they should have our back through thick and thin, no matter what's going on in our life. And then lastly, are the men who call us forward. And these are the men who, you know, you might classify them as mentors, or maybe they're your friends, you know, one of your friends, but they just constantly challenge you to grow and be better. They call you out on your shit. They're not afraid to say what's on their mind. They're great at setting boundaries. And these are the guys that call you forward into being a better man. And the issue is that so many men, they have the first one, you know, they have the first type of relationship and maybe some of them are lucky enough to have some of the second type of relationship where they have the guys that are standing beside them in life. But so few men have the latter. They, so few men have the third phase of relationship of guys that are calling them forward into a sense of greatness or into a sense of self-betterment. And that's, that's actually the issue because nobody's really challenging them to grow and move forward. Yeah, that's so true. I believe we can build our emotional resilience on positive relationships with men who are capable of calling us out and challenging us, but I think it is difficult to identify them today. And even if we do find them, how can we build a relationship with them? What are the first few steps that men can take right now so they can identify and reach out to these people? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, it comes down to what you can give and what you can get. So being able to identify, you know, what you can do to support other people, what you can do to help grow other people is pretty imperative first and foremost. And then understand from a self-awareness perspective, what it is that you're struggling with, what you're challenged with right now in your life. Maybe you, maybe you feel, you know, isolated and, and you just want to build connections. Maybe you are struggling financially, maybe your relationship is really struggling. And by the way, that's that's one of the most common things that I see in men is that they they won't actually reach out for support until their relationship with their partner is really starting to struggle. And that's the most common time that I see men reach out because the majority of the time they've built a relationship with their wife or their girlfriend or their partner, whatever that looks like. And if that starts to struggle or fall apart, that's when men will really start to like, oh, I need to go and now I need support because their partner has become their main point of support. So start to identify what it is that you're wanting to work on because otherwise it just seems analogous, right? Otherwise, when you're reaching out for help or support or guidance or insight, 
you know, you're not even going to have a clue what you need help and support with. So that's first and foremost. Secondly is start to identify, you know, groups or just other individuals who you really respect. And that's the key word. You really respect them and you respect what they're doing. You know, not everybody respects what I'm doing or what man talks stand for. And, and that's fine. We're not for them. But you start to identify what you respect because that is that's going to allow you to hear what the other person or the other people actually have to say. And that's what's going to allow you to get the support that you need in order to grow, in order to overcome the obstacles that you're facing. It's a hugely, hugely important piece. And then when you do reach out, so I recommend that every single man has some form of brotherhood, has some form of, you know, a group of men that meet, you know, it doesn't have to be a traditional men's group. I think that traditional men's groups are great, but they're not for everybody. And that's why, you know, with Man Talks, we created the mastermind was because for me personally, I didn't want to just show up into like a men's group. And I just didn't, that was, that space wasn't necessarily for me. And so we created the mastermind so that, you know, guys could work on business, they could work on their health, they could work on themselves, and they could grow a brotherhood at the same time. And so it was really sort of like a 50-50, a hybrid between a traditional business mastermind and a traditional men's group. And so you kind of have the best of both worlds. So so start to look for the groups. There's a ton of them. You know, there's there's the Order of Man and the Iron Council that my friend runs, Ryan Mitchler, down in the States. You know, there's our group. Start to identify groups that you can go and be a part of that get you out of the normal social conditioning of just going and drinking booze and then hopefully talking about some of these conversations or, you know, the locker talk, because most of the time you're not having serious conversations with the dudes in the locker. You know, I like I played hockey until I was like 25 and there wasn't many serious conversations that happened in the locker room. Right? <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're talking about the game, you're talking about women, you're talking about work. But it's, it's again, it's not really like a deep, meaningful conversation. You might touch on something that's meaningful, but for the most part, you're there to just like relax, let go and have some fun. So start to, and then finally, find that person who, you know, find that individual who you really respect and understand how you can help them and put yourself in a situation. And this is about mentorship, right? Put yourself in a situation where you can start supporting them. Not that you need to give advice or feedback or anything like that, but identify that person who you would like to learn from, who you'd like to be mentored by. And then give first and foremost so that they'll even be open to mentoring you on the other side. Because what I see most men do is they'll be like, oh, I want him, I want this guy to be my mentor. And they'll reach out to him and they'll say, hey, I want you to mentor me or you know, I want you to work with me. And if you could just give me an hour of your time every week. Hmm. Well, most people don't have an hour of the time every week, right? And, and I have yeah. this all the time. Yeah. The other thing that I would say is you can find a coach. You know, some people like to work with coaches. And that's fine, but make sure it's the right one. I think having for men specifically, most guys have adverse relationships with men in their life and they see them as very, like a lot of the times they, they have hostile feelings towards the other men in their life. So working with a male coach of some form can be very beneficial unless you're really working on your relationship dynamics and you're trying to understand women on a better level, in which case, you know, working with a woman might be great. So that's what I would say in, in terms of being able to build those types of relationships. 
Absolutely. Some guys simply reach out to a potential mentor and ask for that person's time, and that could be a huge turnoff for that person, because this guy comes from a place of neediness. I think that anyone who is trying to find a mentor should consider offering value first. Everyone has something to bring to the table, and if this person says, I'm sorry, I simply don't have the time or we're not compatible. What I saw is that they will refer you to someone else you could work with almost every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would put it this way. Like, imagine this. Imagine emailing a woman. If if you're straight, you're heterosexual, or if you're not, imagine emailing a guy and emailing them and saying, hey, I want you to be my girlfriend, right? Like, that would be ridiculous. That just wouldn't work. You've built no rapport. There's no interaction there whatsoever. And yet people do it all the time. And, you know, it it is really a turnoff because you you're coming from a space of neediness. You're coming from a space of this is what I need to get. And it's funny that we wouldn't do that when we wanted to build a relationship with somebody. And yet when we want a mentor, most people come from this space of lack and scarcity. And so it creates this space where they reach out and they're just like, I need something from you. And it's such a repellent for the other person. So I can't stress that enough. If you're looking for a mentor out there, whether it's in business or health or relationships, whatever the case may be, look at how you can give first. Make yourself indispensable. And a perfect example of this is I had, I used to work for Apple. And one of the guys that used to work for me at Apple, when I left and started Man Talks full time, he worked for me for probably eight to 12 months every week he would put in you know five to ten hours just you know helping and supporting with the events and with the you know mastermind organization he worked completely for free simply because he wanted to work alongside me and he was interested in having me mentor him and he just gave and gave and gave and gave and gave and you know after a few months i started giving some of my time back to him because i realized how valuable he had made himself And it was just a natural order. So I carved out time every week to have connects with him and have calls and really support him on his journey and what he was building. But all of that started because he saw an opportunity to support me and what I was doing and made himself indispensable. (laughs) That's a great story. Yeah. And that's exactly my experience with these types of situations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So give value first. Give value first. Yeah. And then things will start working out for you. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your first point was that guys should become more self-aware so they can know exactly what type of group, coach, or mentor they really need. So how can guys become more self-aware? Could you please share a couple of techniques or practices that can help them with this process? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, first, I'll, I'll just preface that there's a great book called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. And, you know, it can be very confronting to read this book, but it's, it's an incredible book nonetheless. And if you're really wanting to cultivate a sense of awareness, I would strongly, strongly recommend this book. He talks about spirituality. He used to be a Jesuit priest. So it does have spiritual sort of undertones to it. But the whole premise is really about how to cultivate this type of awareness. So I would say definitely check out that book. Just some some highlights of how to develop a sense of self-awareness first and foremost for most men one of the 
biggest challenges that I see day in, day out. And, you know, Mantox is in a dozen cities around North America. I've met guys all over North America now and work with work with hundreds of guys. We have mastermind groups in all these cities. And I see the same thing over and over again. One of the biggest challenges that guys face is they can't get out of their head. They can't stop thinking. And that thinking prevents them from actually being really self-aware because it's a trick, right? Like if we're in our head and we're constantly thinking and we're on autopilot, we would seem to be self-aware, right? We, we think that we're self-aware, but in actuality, it's just, you know, an automatic script that's happening, right? The program's just running in our head and we never drop out of that and into our body and we never drop out of that and into our you know, intuition or instinct or a gut, whatever you want to call that. Most men are so disconnected with their body that they struggle with things like, you know, sex and intimacy. And they struggle to like really connect with the people who they want to connect with from an intimate space. But they're not self-aware to actually know that. They might consciously be able to say, oh, I'm having problems, you know, getting it up in the bedroom. But beyond that, they have no idea why. And so how we cultivate awareness is first and foremost, put away the technology for a little bit, you know, turn off the TV, put down the remote control for your, you know, PlayStation 4, Xbox, whatever that looks like, put your cell phone away, put your laptop away and bring yourself out into nature for a little bit every single week and allow yourself to not only start to be aware of the thoughts that you're thinking, but allow yourself to move into a deeper space past that, right? So you can ask yourself certain questions about your life and where you're at and start to tune in to your sort of emotional response to some of those things that are happening in your life, you know, started to tune in to some of the more physical pieces and physical reactions to the challenges that you're facing in your life. Because most men perceive that because they are able to think about a problem that they can solve it because they're, you know, that they're aware of it. So that's first and foremost. And then being able to cultivate your instinct or your intuition, or your gut, whatever you might call that is the sort of ultimate form of awareness because these are the guiding forces, you know, like if you look at the the men who used to be incredible hunters or fishers in the world or guys that making, you know, really great business choices, they seem to have this like sixth sense where like a fisherman, for example, used to be able to just drive his boat out into the water and he would just know where to stop. He didn't have a depth finder. He didn't have some like sonar radar to show him <laughs> where all the fish were. That didn't exist. He just intuitively knew where to stop the boat and know where to fish. And that's because there's a there's a different type of intelligence going on, right? And exactly. when you trust your gut, that's a whole different form of awareness because then you're not stuck in analysis paralysis. You're not stuck just looking at the situation and trying to mentally and cognitively figure it out, you're tuning into your sort of whole intelligence and making choices from there. But you can't do that unless you're aware that you're caught in the cycle of your mind running the show. That's really interesting. This reminds me of that famous Einstein quote we talked about before the show. I think it applies perfectly here. May I ask you to repeat it for us? Yeah, so it's the intuitive mind is a sacred gift. And the rational mind is the faithful servant. We've built a society that honors the servant and has forgotten about the gift. What a great quote. 
I love it. It's one of my favorites, and I think that more more men should live by it because we we pedestal our rational mind, and we've forgotten about this this deeper type of intelligence. And honestly, the most like I I work with millionaires and billionaires, and I work with athletes, and the people who are exceptional in what they do and happy and fulfilled are the ones who trust this intuition, who trust this instinct, exactly, and, and yeah. that have allowed this part of themselves to really guide their lives. So true. This is a problem that I frequently encounter in my work as well. Men have difficulties in moving away from their rational mind. It's interesting to observe this in couples therapy. Men usually start by saying something along the lines of, I'm not really sure why we're here. We do have some problems, but at the end of the day, who doesn't? So they're completely disconnected from what happens at an emotional level. A lot of men go on to autopilot, right? Like there's some really interesting research coming out now that shows statistically that men are actually in marriages. Men are more satisfied than women in marriages. Yeah. And what the researchers found is that most men just settle in and go on to autopilot and they stop being self-aware. They stop working on the relationship. They stop trying. And not only that, but now we're starting to see more divorces initiated by women and the majority of men not knowing why that's happening, right? And so yes. there's a big disconnect because women are, are pretty self-aware for the most part, not all of them, but women are very in tune with their intuition. They're very in tune with their instincts and, and they're, they're fairly self-aware to their emotional needs and their emotional responses, whereas a lot of guys will try and rationalize and analyze their emotions and everything that's happening instead of just feeling them and understanding them from that level. So, so just, just to kind of reinforce that it, this is how important awareness is within your relationship. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Connor, as we are reaching the second part of the show, I want to ask you a few personal questions that will give the audience invaluable pieces of wisdom that will help them on their journey. Are you ready for the fire round? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Here's the first question. If you were to recommend one book that every man must read, what would it be and why? Mm. Just one? Just one. <laughs> I would say Read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It is... A classic. Uh, I read it, yeah, I read it once a year. I think it's an, an incredible book. And the reason why I would recommend it is because it puts into context the struggles that we all face. You know, and and in that book, he does such an apt job of describing his personal struggles and his internal narratives throughout those struggles. And it it helps us get in tune and get in touch with how we react to challenges and struggles and what we face. I'm just going to put in one more, just one more book, because, that you know, Man's Search for Meaning <laughs> okay. might be something that everybody recommends. So I would recommend Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. All right. Definitely one for the list. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, Connor, before we dive into the next question, I want to briefly touch upon the nice guy syndrome, a concept introduced by Dr. Robert Glover in his best-selling book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. This syndrome represents a belief that if nice guys are good, they will be accepted, loved, and have their needs met. Typical behaviors include caretaking, giving to get, avoiding conflicts, hiding mistakes, seeking approval, and pleasing people, especially women. When these behaviors backfire, and this tends to happen more often than not, these men become extremely frustrated. And the question is, 
where do we draw the line between being a macho jerk and the so-called nice guy? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a really great question. And that book is incredible. I recommend it to a lot of guys who are struggling. So, you know, your question is, how do we draw the line between being a macho jerk and a nice guy? Yeah. You know, really what we're talking about here and really what No More Mr. Nice Guy is talking about is two things. For me, this is my perspective. It's two things. One is boundaries and two is ownership. That's ownership over self, ownership over your internal desires, your internal wants, and the things that are are truly what what you want in life, whether it's your purpose, whether it's what fulfills you, the partnership that you want, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so where we draw the line is that understanding not only what we want in life, but how often we will sacrifice and have shitty boundaries, hmm. how often we'll sacrifice ourselves and our values to try and appease other people, you know, to try and make other people happy. And for the majority of women, they don't actually want that. They don't want some guy who is like a wet noodle who will just say like, yes, honey, like whatever you want. That's actually not what they're looking for. They're looking for a sense of leadership in a man, not in the sense that like, you know, he's going to run the show, yeah. but in the sense that he has command and ownership over his own life. And this is why self-awareness is so freaking important because when it comes to identifying the distinction between being, you know, a, a macho jerk, somebody who's just, you know, narcissistic and doesn't care about other people's feelings. And, you know, the sort of like flaccid Mr. Nice Guy, who's always yeah. out to make sure that everybody's feelings are taken care of. And, you know, everybody's but his own. That's exactly. sort of caveat yeah. there. Where we draw the line is we have to be self-aware enough to enforce our boundaries. Because a lot of this is about boundaries, right? On both sides. So if you look at the Mr. Nice Guy, this is somebody who really has no boundaries and who allows other people to set the boundaries for him. Then you have the macho jerk. And this is a guy who maybe he has decent boundaries for himself, but he tramples all over other people's boundaries, right? Even his own personal boundaries, he will often circumvent to sort of attain his base desires, you know, the things that he's ultimately looking for. So we need to find a balance between empathy and ownership over that which we want. And a lot of that just comes down to setting very clear boundaries, boundaries in our communication, boundaries in our relationships, you know, boundaries at work, boundaries at home, all of those pieces. And what I call these are non-negotiables and negotiables. So a lot of men in the nice guy category will, maybe I should just define those. So non-negotiables are the things in our life and the things in our relationship that we absolutely want and must have in order for us to feel fulfilled in that dynamic. So let's take a relationship, for example. The majority of men, a non-negotiable is for their partner to cheat or to, to be to be faithful, right? Yeah. So that's a, that's a non-negotiable. If you're in a monogamous relationship, a non-negotiable is that you're faithful and we're monogamous together. That's pretty plain and simple. A negotiable is like a request, right? So these are sort of the dynamics of the relationship. So a request could be, you know, hey, when we're apart and you're going to be spending some time out of town, 
my request is that we have, you know, one phone call every day is just so that I feel connected, right? Yep. So that's a request. It's not a non-negotiable. It's a negotiable thing. It's something that's flexible, right? So most nice guys, they don't have very good non-negotiables. They might have them internally, mm. but either they don't communicate them or even when they communicate them, they don't stand their ground to enforce those non-negotiables. And so their values are constantly compromised. And, you know, on the other side with the macho guys, it's actually a very similar thing where, you know, they will have these non-negotiables. They'll actually turn, for the most part, they'll turn their negotiables, the things that are just requests, into non-negotiables as a form of manipulation and power. And, you know, it's just a form of trying to compensate for a sense of insecurity. It's just a different form of insecurity. So where we draw the line, very clear boundaries, right? Understanding where we're compromising our values. Love it. Love it. Connor, share a piece of advice that your father never got to tell you, or he didn't know about being a man in today's world. Think about the way you show up in life as a man. Think about your relationships with men and women. I'm talking about information or advice that would have changed everything in your adult life. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, you know, my, my father is, is a pretty great guy. And I was fortunate enough that, you know, I had a father and a stepfather because my parents were divorced. So I actually had two male role models in my life. But I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that he probably would have loved to, to give me or to have sort of imparted on me is the idea that our lives are really in our hands to create as we wish and and that our destiny is something that we create right legacy destiny whatever whatever you want to call it it's really in our hands for us to create and for us to to build on our own and that that pursuit of purpose and that pursuit of legacy is something that is so rewarding for a man. It's something that's so fulfilling for a man. So I think that that's the advice he probably would have wanted to give me. That's really powerful. You said that you had two male role models, your father and your stepfather, because your parents got divorced. Do you have a good connection with your biological father? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So he was present in your life. I mean, as present as he could be, you know, like I, my parents had split custody. And mm. so, you know, I, my parents got divorced when I was three. So I grew up in, you know, your, your classic divorced situation where I would see my dad and, and, and his family once or twice a month. But he was very invested. And I never questioned that, you know, from being a child. So I think for the people out there who, yeah. you know, maybe you're a dad, yeah. you're a stepdad or, or you're a dad that raises your kid part time. There are ways to still be very invested in your child's life, even if you only see them a couple of times a month. Absolutely. Men I'm working with are often very concerned with this topic. They want to know whether they will be able to build a securely attached relationship with their children after a separation or divorce. So thank you for sharing your story. I think it's a good example for the audience. Mm. Thank you. All right. This has been a great episode. Connor, before we say goodbye, please share the projects that currently excite you. Yeah. So, I mean, they're really like the big project that I'm excited about is with the expansion of Man Talks. We're going to be launching in New York in May, and we're going to be launching in San Diego as well in May. And so, you know, we're going to be having the events there. And we have events in a dozen cities around North America, but 
Yeah, that's that's what I'm really excited for because we have these incredible events, you know, when men and women come out, we have great speakers. And because of that, we are able to start up mastermind groups and communities in all of these cities. So that's what I'm really excited for because I've seen the positive impact that that has on these men's lives. Fantastic. So people in New York and San Diego can look forward to having you guys there this year. You betcha. Okay. Congratulations. That's really awesome. <laughs> okay. Connor, where can people find you? Yeah, the easiest way is just at Man Talks. I run all those accounts. So, you know, we've got nine or 10,000 followers on Instagram. So at Man Talks on Instagram or on Facebook, you can go to mantalks.com to check out, you know, some of the blogs and podcasts that we have. Or you can just add me up on Facebook. It's just Connor Beaton. You can find me on there and happy to connect with you there. Okay, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And I hope to see you again on Men's Journey today, Connor. Thanks for having me. Okay, guys, till next time. Take care. Bye.